This podcast belongs to the 3.5 Private Sanctuary Gaming Shelf Podcast for 3.5 loyalists and Pathfinder enthusiasts. Visit 35privatesanctuary.com to find out more. Welcome to the Gamer's Guide Pathfinder with Sean and Barry. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Gamer's Guide to Love. That's right, we're talking today about romance. Romancing the stone, romancing your game. But before we get into that, Barry, how are you doing? I'm doing great, but how could we not? Coming live from Florida. It was quite the trip, but we made it down here. We've set up our operations, and uh, I think we're going to settle in here for at least another week and a half. What do you think? Absolutely. Fantastic. It's it's just gorgeous here. Loving the Cubanos. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's nice. So uh, we're thinking today we're going to talk about the use of love, romance, and anything else we can think of around that topic in, in your game. So I guess let me let's just jump right into it. Uh, you know, how have you seen romance used in games to date, in games you've played? Ooh. See that's now that's a loaded question there because how what have I seen executed effectively? Well, not, not anything, anything. So let's look at because it could or be... the potential thereof because I think the potential is is great, um, but I think that it's largely an untapped potential in most people's games. Okay, so have you ever seen it attempted? Yes. Okay, how would it go? More specifically, sir. <laughs> Did you think it added to the game or took away from the game? I mean, well, well, no. What I mean by more specific is, uh, you know, I guess narrowing it down because there's so many ways that this topic can come. So, like, let's, you've got let's, the from, let's start from the, with some bad ways that you've seen it happen. Well, no. What I'm saying more is like, from are we talking about from the DM or are we talking okay. about from the players? That's a, that's a great point. Are we talking about player player on player? So, character so character? romance can affect the game. So, so one example we sure. might talk about is. Romance. Romance. And, and I'm almost going to say this is outside the scope of what we're talking about, but you could have romance between the players themselves or, or, or you know, outside of the characters. So you might have the DM and his girlfriend who's playing in the game. I don't think that's outside the scope. I think that's something that's very real to all too many campaigns. Well, let's start there then. Have you seen the DM's girlfriend stereotype? Oh, God, yes. Okay, how'd that go? Horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so so I think stereotypically what happens there is, is she's going to get favored. She's going to get all the shit. She's going to get, I should say, all, all the stuff. She's going to get all the stuff. We're listed as explicit. <laughs> <laughs> Here we are. We are. Uh, you know, she's she's just, I mean, and it could go the opposite way where he's trying to be overly fair to her. Right. Where he's just picking on her like crazy because right. he doesn't want anyone to ever accuse him that right. he's playing, you know. And that's going to also end up bad because then at some point she's going to blow up and it's going to disrupt the game. And when we say she, you could reverse this. We're Absolutely. Just, we're, we're settling into to we're the, talking 90, stereotypically, the 99% yeah. common sure. uh, occurrence. Yeah, then she's going to be upset that why did I even try to play this stupid game with your stupid friends? 
and then you just, <laughs> and then you just make yeah. me mad or whatever. Uh, no, I get it. That's why personally, just uh, to to a little inside of Barry, I I I'm one of those weird gamers that has never had any desire whatsoever to let a let a girl in on the game. Totally happy have you to keep with that. Girls, uh, I have gamed with girls, but I have never had the desire to introduce a, a woman in your romantic life. person into my hobbies. Gotcha. To me, my gotcha. hobbies are in my closet. Those are See, separate from other. From and it's interesting. I, I have my previous group before I moved back here with you guys. Um, you know, and then we moved to Florida and mm-hmm. wherever else. Well, we're traveling. I yeah, mean, I well, was, you know, you know. we took the show on the road. Yeah. Uh, my previous group to that though, we, we, the core of that group, where we gamed at, I would say, uh, it, it was a husband and wife pair. Uh, they were both very involved, but I never felt like she was just gaming because he was gaming. If anything, it was the other way around. I mean, although not really, I mean, he's a pretty hardcore gamer too. But in that case, I never felt like it mattered that they were married. At the table, they were both just gamers, and it was cool, but. Did they have an in-game romance between their characters? No. They didn't? Nope. No, in fact, she got her character ended up getting married to an NPC Very cool. in the game and had like a rivalry with two different NPCs for affections and, and stuff like that. But yeah, he was he was never involved. Um, I mean, she'd make snide comments because he got like a girlfriend in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a game I was running. So, hey, I'm awesome. Bring in the romance in, right? Right. Right? Yep. Uh, <laughs> everyone agreed right now. No, uh... But uh, she would make snide comments about that girl being a whore and stuff. But uh, you know, in game, it never made a difference. Um, so that was that one was kind of cool, you know. Uh, well, my friend, I would I would venture to say that that is the exception and not the rule. I would agree. It was a fantastic gaming group, and and they should call me. And we should game more often. Uh, but hey. <laughs> I'm only saying that because we used to be once a month. We'd go up to Olympia. And I know. I know. Play wherever. So I definitely would agree. That's the exception rather than the rule that they're getting along so well and it's just like they're two players at the table. Normally it seems like it's it's someone bringing in their newly acquired significant other to be in the game and it typically is, you know, when they're dating, that sort of thing. Uh, and, and I think maybe the dating is a bit different than when they're married. So let's let's start with that. So let's you know, I know you're happily married and you love your wife more than anything in the world, and and this is all hypotheticals. But let's hypothetically say you're Dude, now. Dude, you just cost me all the groupie love. <laughs> you just. I was assuming you got all the guys and I got the chicks. <laughs> Even though I also am happy. Dude, married you totally just yeah. cockatrice blocked me. All the no, but in all seriousness, how do you how do you do that successfully? You're now dating Barry Guy, and and you are now dating this woman, and you're like, wow, this, she's awesome. I want to because I'm not Barry, so you're actually <laughs> not dating Barry. You're someone else. You're dating John. Okay. And uh, how do you bring in the significant other successfully? Is there a way to do that right? I I would recommend just being completely upfront. For one, don't try to force it. If there's not space in your gaming group. Don't try to squeeze in an extra person. It's it's not good mojo, even if you're just bringing in your buddy, yeah. period. Um, I mean, even in our group, we've turned down good friends that wanted to add, and we're like, sorry, there's no room. We only have we already have five. Yeah. Um, I felt like a jerk, but yeah. Who cares, right? Yeah. You, you don't want to ruin the game for everybody else, so right there, don't do that. Be upfront with everyone. You know, hey, I've met this person. I think they're awesome. I want to in- include them in the game. And if they vote you down, respect it. Yeah. Don't throw a tantrum. If you're the DM, don't force it. Um, just don't be an a-hole about it. 
if the group is cool and open to it, or hey, maybe you randomly just have an open spot and they're open to teaching a new player or welcoming, hopefully, an exi- you know, a veteran player who just happens to be a girl that you're dating, then more power to you. Give it a shot. But uh, yeah. I wouldn't put a whole bunch of expectations on it. And I certainly wouldn't want to force it. And I certainly want, wouldn't want to see a, an existing gaming group get torn apart because of it. And I think that's what happens more often than not. You know, a lot of people are not fans of the Lone Wolf game where it's one DM and one PC. I, I kind of am. I like them. I, th- I think they're kind of fun. I've had a lot of success. That's how I gamed for my first, you know, five, six years of gaming. This is an ideal opportunity to do that. If you want to introduce someone into gaming, do the do the lone wolf. There's nothing wrong with that. Then you you two are spending time alone. If you know, do what you want to do. Uh, if she turns into a hardcore gamer or he, you know, don't don't want to limit it. If they turn into a hardcore gamer as a result of it, awesome. You know, give them that experience with more stuff. But it does actually seem like a really good opportunity to give them some one-on-one gaming time and, and help them develop as a role player. I can see that, sure. Yeah. The other thing would be talking to them and making sure that they understand that you're when you're DMing, assuming you're the DM, they're just another player. You're going to hold them to the same levels as you do anyone else. You're not going to try and harsh them. You're not going to favor them. They're just one of the other players. Make sure they're cool with that. My wife would be the first to tell me. If I, if I got her role-playing, she'd be immediately there. She'd say, Sean, I want all the good stuff. You need to give that to me. <laughs> and she'd make no qualms about it, and she'd rub it in your face. She'd be like, hey, Barry, how do you like my plus five Avenger? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, she'd, she'd tell you that right up front. And that's not going to fly. That wouldn't be okay. And, and so I wouldn't bring her into the sure. group. But, but that's also assuming that the, that, you're, that the person you're bringing in is a new player. Right. Um, and and I, I think that if they were a veteran player, it would be easier, hopefully. But the problem is this, and this is kind of a broader topic, really getting far out on this topic. But, I mean, in general, and this is an issue that plagues gaming groups, is when player emotions get involved in the game. Yeah. And it doesn't have to just be romance or expectations between lovers. It can just be... They get in a a fight. So, So you have two players, they're dating... In game, they get in a fight. I want that plus one sword. No, I want that plus one sword. It's better right. for my character. And uh, yeah, it turns into a fight, which actually spills into their their actual romance, or vice versa. They've had a fight that day about something else, and somehow their characters can't get along that day. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's. I think that happens to a point, anyways. Though uh, to play devil's advocate, I mean, I've known players where these two players they'll play together often, and their characters always end up fighting each other, sure. or bickering, or whatnot. Yeah. Or the or vice versa. These two players always end up in cahoots. They always end up as partners, uh, even if it's a six man party. Right. So I mean, there's there tends to be spillover. Um, whether it's inevitable, that's a whole different subject. Um, but they're just in reality, there tends to be some spillover from human emotion as the player spills into your game. And that just, it's not ideal, but it, it does happen. Okay. So how, and I, and I guess that's a great transition. Now we're on to player on player out of game romance. Uh, we'll say that they met in game. So they're both already hardcore role players. They started in your game together. Uh, they weren't dating. Now, because of meeting each other for your game, uh, they're now dating. Well, that's how I roll. You know, I, I sparks fly in my game. No, yeah, um, I don't care. That's fine. If it doesn't matter to me who wants to sleep with who in the gaming group, 
uh, any way you take that. I don't, so how I really do you keep that from spelling out? I mean, uh, just obviously it's up as, to them, right? Just I mean, the same as, as if two of the people who in my gaming group, if they happen to work together and they got pissy at work and then they were taking, I'm going to take the guy, hey, guys, why, why are you guys being assholes tonight? Because this guy, you know, jacked your tips or something. You know what I mean? Like, sure. what, why is this spilling over into my game? You guys need to rein it in. So okay. at that point, I would just, I don't care if it's romance. I don't care if it's any other human emotion if it's if it's not in character it needs to it so that's needs to that's actually really table, good so. advice so if you're the dm and you see this happening if you're the third party and in this case the dm's are really in a position to do it to ask to set them aside and say hey guys whatever it is is spilling over if you can't rein it in today let's let's do something else let's go watch a movie let's do whatever uh drink some beer watch you guys fight whatever uh and let's not maybe play today if you can't rein it in, if you can rein it in, awesome, we'll keep going. But you're a third party and you're able to, to recognize that and point it out to them. And, and even have a, a discussion with them before the campaign to say, hey, don't let this spill over. And it's exactly like you said, it doesn't matter if it's any other relationship. Uh, if it's spilling over to the game, it can be a problem. So if you're uh, going back then to our previous example, if you're the DM and you have your significant other uh, newly acquired dating person or, or whatever, uh, in your group, it might be a good idea to appoint a third person in that group and say, you know, hey, Barry, I'm bringing in my girlfriend here because she's hot. And uh, But if you see it spilling over, I, I want you to let me know that that's spilling over. And I'm not touching that with a proverbial 10-foot pole. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting between a couple. You know what happens when they get back together? Yeah. Well, not just, not just, like, I'm not saying, like... Uh, you know, step in between the couple, but say, "Hey, guys, whatever's going on, it seems to be spilling into the game." I, I think that it's. I think that it's either. I mean, you're right. It's good for the DM to take control of that since he's already in a position of authority. If it's the DM that's going to do it, then you need to just collectively, as players, put your foot down and say, "Hey, we need to make sure that this is that we're all adults here and that we're we're approaching this with the same civility for all the people involved at sure. in the table." Okay. Um, I mean, when we sit down, we assume different roles: players, DM, and so forth court reporter whatever but you know coming to the table and leaving the table we're, we're all just people and hopefully we're equals or whatnot so uh we need to respect each other in that capacity right right so and i think this is what it boils down to is just respect i mean you're respecting you're choosing to put your time into that game you should respect other people's choice to put their time into that game it's really what it comes down to, and and that's really the answer to a lot of our things is is you're respecting the other players, absolutely. You know, as well as know your GM, know your players. And right? I think it should come down to just <laughs> even a straight vote. Even if you have a, even if you have four men in your party and you have an open slot for a fifth man, if the guy comes and says, "Hey, you know, if you came and said, hey, I want my wife to join the game and whatever,' who's, who's going to say no? But if they do, if people say no, if we say, you know what, Sean, we just really don't want that." In the game, we just we're, we're we just collectively we talked about it, and yeah. and we're not going to say who said what, but we just don't think that that's going to add anything, and we're worried. Even though you're assuring us that it's going to be totally uh, professional, yeah. we have reservations that it's not. Um, and I, so, I guess my experience is is with with all the gaming groups I've been in, I can't see any of them telling the GM no to his significant other coming to play. It's because they're not smart. Uh, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, and it's also just they don't want to offend that person, right? I mean, sure. I, just, yeah, I mean, they should. You should be willing to say no. Uh, and maybe this is a whole different episode about letting someone into the game or not. Uh, and whether or not you should do interviews or that sort of thing, or if that makes it too impersonal or, or whatever. But 
I just can't see someone. Yeah, telling I want to see someone's no. resume. I want to qualify them as well. A- it was beautiful. So the same group I was talking about earlier that has the the married couple. When I I found them through um, Meetup.com, and uh, I just I just posted a thing on there. Sure, that wasn't Hookup.com. I I got a lot of sex out of it. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, I, I posted a thing that was you know here I'm I'm looking to be a player or GM in these games. And I listed a bunch of different games and primarily 3.5 and that sort of thing and, and forgot about it. And six or seven months later, I got a, a email back from one of the guys in the group who was the GM at the time who said, hey, we're looking for another player. If you're interested, let's let's meet up and talk about it. I then, we, we talked and I was like, you know, I, I really want to do an interview with you guys basically and you should interview me too. You shouldn't just let anyone in your game and we should go meet up somewhere and, and have lunch and talk about it. And so I went and I, he didn't have a car at the time, so I picked him up from the local community college and and uh, drove him out to a Mexican restaurant and we had lunch and talked. And, uh, you know, it wasn't necessarily, it was funny because he wasn't what I expected uh, in the person, but I went ahead and talked to him anyway and he seemed to be a great guy. And so then I was like, yeah, I'd be interested in meeting the rest of the people. And so then we had a night where we went out and played board games, just the entire group and I, and uh, played board games for the night. And then they invited me back. But it was understood that at any point, any of us could say, nah, we don't think you mesh well, or I don't think I mesh well, or whatever. Uh, But it very much was an interview process. And I think that's a very odd thing for most groups to do. Most people are just like, hey, I got a buddy. Can he come? Yeah, okay. You know, uh, it was it was very odd, but I think it worked better because of it. And the few times we didn't do that, like we actually had to kick a guy out and it became this big drama and it made certain games not as fun. And, and when we finally, you know, ripped off the band-aid and kicked that person out, it was so much better and it was a good game and it was fantastic. And yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's you're right. It's It's not smart for the people in the game not to hold the same standards for anyone joining whether they're a romantic relationship with a GM or not. But the reality is, a lot of times, they don't want to piss off the GM, and they, they don't sure. do it. Sure, I'm not saying that that's the reality of 95% of the, of the situations, but I was just giving my opinion on the ideal, or what I think the ideal sure. is. You touched on a good point, though. If you have to rip off the bandit, um, it's important, I think, to do it sooner than later. So if there's an issue, if yeah. you allow that girlfriend or boyfriend in, and you th- say, oh, well, we'll see how it works out, if, if if you're not thinking it's working out by the first or maybe second session, people need to nix it right away. The longer it goes on, the worse it's going to get, so, um, the more hurt feelings there's going to be. So I guess that's a great way to segue into is is the ending of it. So we, we have basically two endings. It could be the ending of the relationship between them and what does that do to the gaming group or the ending of the gaming group allowing that person to be in. So let's, let's start with that shame. second one. <laughs> just, just horrible hair as they're walking through in the morning and people are coming no one looks each other in the eye no um call let's her, say call her a cab so so say you come to that decision you have two players in the group you're the gm the group kind of decides you know what sally is just not working turns out she's a bitch but patrick is still dating sally and uh, they, he still wants to, to have a good relationship with her. And everyone else is like, nah, yeah, it's just not working. It's not fun. And he's like, guys, you can't do this to me. You can't kick her out. How do you deal with that situation? That's tough. I mean, because if you kick her out, which is the right thing to do, honestly, if she's not meshing and it's making the game not good and, and, and you're ruining everyone's fun by her being there, you really need to kick her out. 
But you may, you got to be willing to lose Patrick too, right? I mean, he's, and these are completely made up names for anyone who, who wants to listen. Um, Look, Patty's a big boy. If he wants to, if he wants to quit his group to go chase some tail, that's his decision. Yeah, but, you know. But you got to be willing to. to when he's done with that, he wants to come back and and get a game in, and I'm sure his friends will welcome him back. But sure. ultimately, you're deep into the realm of just normal, hopefully adult relationships, right? Where he's making a decision as an adult. You're making a, your group is making decisions as adults. You know, that's it, right? I mean, if, if you don't want her there, you guys should collectively to be able to say, hey, we don't want her in the group. Yeah. Just like you could say you don't want Patrick in the group. And if he wants to peace out because that makes him pissy, sorry, dude. Yeah. And then the way he goes is going to pretty much dictate whether or not he ever comes back. Right. You know, right. but I mean, I'm just, I'm, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess that's, I'm a little a nerd to that. Uh, well, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. And it's not just a, a whether you're a callous person or not. It's actually whether you, I mean, how you handle it. You can't take that on yourself. And and so how he handles it, I mean, you should present it to him properly and say, hey, we don't have a problem with you. You've been great. It's just not working out with her. I understand this might mean that you have to leave, but we just can't let her keep playing. And if you ever, you know, if you have to leave, we understand. We're not going to hold that against you. If you ever want to come back, cool. Uh, but right now we're just not, we can't let her keep playing. Do you want to talk to her? Do you want us to, how do you want to handle it? That sort of thing. And that's then, and then fine, that's a fine politically correct presentation. I would, yeah. I would probably sum it up with just, you just lock her out. She'd be, <laughs> she'd be trying to walk in. He'd get in the door and he'd like, <laughs> slam it. Click. No, I think it would be more like, I would just don't bring her again. We've all talked. We don't really want her here. I hope that's okay with you. And then just let him decide not whether it's not okay GTFO. with him. GTFO. No, I mean, no, I, mean I, I don't think, I mean, it's very nice of you to preface all of his options, but I think he'll know his options. And yeah. I think, you know, as an adult, he'll, he'll make that decision or she'll make that decision. And, you know, if not, best of luck to you. Hope everything is great. All right. All right, fair enough. All right, yeah, so that, that kind of does, I think, sort of wrap up the generalities of, of your out-of-character relationships. So let's... Let's zoom in into the characters themselves. So, really, there's only three ways you can go for character relationships. You have NPC on NPC, and how does that affect the campaign? You have an NPC with a PC having a romantic relationship, and how does that affect the game? And then you have PC on PC. All right, so that actually segues us, I I guess, or not really a segue, but I I think we've kind of covered the generalities of, of the relationships outside of what's in the game itself so let's transition there into the game since we're already talking about player on player romances or gm on player romances that sort of thing let's go ahead and start with the pc on pc you know if you're playing a female character i'm playing a male character there's there's no reason we can't find love all you need is love (laughs) (laughs) well uh i'll just preface all of these the pc on pc pc on npc and npc on npc well, the last one really doesn't apply, but uh, let's just go ahead and assume for all of these that we don't have any of the previously discussed problems. Right. So all of these are done in a completely professional manner. There's it's not. A, it's a vacuum. Yeah. Right. There's no. It's not interpersonal relationships. It's right. There's no, just in game. There's no player or DM emotions spilling over into this. This is just good, thick, hearty role playing. Okay. Um, PC on PC, I think is good if you can 
if it if it happens naturally and you can you know you can pull it off effectively and it's not detracting from anyone else's fun, I think it can add a lot to the game. And it, the more the different characters care about each other in character, um, just I think it adds to the verisimilitude. Uh-huh. I.e., my friend tipped over. We kick him into a ditch and take his <laughs> shit. Right? But it was my wife. I get all this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Right, I mean, it's it's community property until she kicks off, then I own it. Oh, dude, you just opened up the hole. (laughs) (laughs) So, next time we roll characters, we're married. (laughs) And if either of us kicks the bucket, we get all their stuff. Players are going to be writing their last will and testament. (laughs) I give all of my shit to my friend. But healthy relationships, I think, can really add to a game. So, I mean, and, and since we're talking about romance, that's the topic of the day. I don't know. I, th- I think that if it's done tastefully, uh, we don't want to see the cutscenes, right? Yeah. Um, so, so it's obviously something that can make people uncomfortable at the table, especially if they see, you know, bearded neckbeard guy talking about romantic relationships with other bearded neckbeard guy, right? And they're they're like, huh? Yeah, don't want to know about that. And it's not that it's a it's a Oh, I don't want to see gay relationships played out. It's a, you know, just, you guys are friends. This is kind of weird sort of thing going on. So how does that affect you at the table? If, if, if me and another guy we play with are, are in a relationship in game, does that affect you at the table? How do you feel about that? I'm fine with bear love. Bear love. <laughs> No, I mean, I, I it wouldn't. I, hopefully, uh, it wouldn't. It wouldn't have an adverse effect on my role playing. Sure, I, I think as long as, like I said, as long as it's tasteful and as long as it adds to the role playing, if it makes sense, if it makes sense that your character fell in love. I mean, if you chose to play a female character and the other guy is playing a male character, uh, and, and through circumstances you think that those two characters would have some sparks, or you know, you you really wrote a fantastic backstory and you have her personality laid out and you know what types of things really, you know... He digs blondes. Right, well, for him, <laughs> but, you know, he really turns your dials, and so, yeah. you, you know, like, wow, this is weird, that person randomly rolled that character that just fits my type. Um, I think that's I think that's fine, and I don't think that um, that, it, that it should detract. If it's, You know, it's interesting. If you think about, and I, I hate to use this movie as an example, but if you think about Speed, where they talk about, you know, right at the very end of Speed, spoilers, uh, they're like, uh, you know relationships formed in stressful situations never last blah 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 here we have a great example of that these people just went through life and death situations together uh maybe in between adventures some times pass you know and so you have the romance through that adventure some time passes they actually broke up during that time now you have a little bit of rivalry going on in the same group it can I think that'd be fun. really interesting role play i mean how cool would it be if you had like female warrior and male warrior or whatever warrior types whatever, and they're yeah. actually like former lovers and they're competing absolutely uh, and it doesn't even matter the if they're warriors or not right i mean you could have the female warrior who's like yeah i killed six orcs and then the the wizard's like pop i just killed 17 yeah you're up <laughs> you know it can be very interesting for me the only my only apprehension would be the same reason why you know i don't know myself i i really i'm always a little bit shy to try a female character even though i have the last what two characters i rolled up were uh female characters the biggest challenge that i find at the table and i can only assume that other males would have at the table is really projecting that i mean if you were yeah. doing an online game it's easier to pull off being a chick sure 
I do voices fairly well. I don't do the falsetto so well. Sure. Um, it seems silly if you do for too long, right? And I mean, also, right. And also, you know, I don't look like a chick, so unless I have like a really awesome mask to wear the whole time. Editor's note, he actually looks like a chick. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, uh, but in all seriousness, I think that would be, that would be the biggest thing I think that could throw it off is just the fact that you have, you know, two big bear men and one of them is a girl, and that doesn't come across. But I really think that at the end of the day, that's the same issue as Big Bear Man is playing the dainty elf chick, and we sure. we forget that ninety percent of the time right. until he holds. Oh, that's up right, his, you are a girl. Yeah, he holds up his picture, yeah. and we're like, okay, yeah. So that's a note. I, I think we've mentioned it before, but if you're playing a female character, it's good to. And actually, this is good general advice. Any, any sort of character that have it all. Aw- have an awesome color print out of your character so that you can have it just propped up by you so yeah. that people look at you and they go, oh, you are an elf. And oh, you are a dwarf. recommend a headshot just because it's it's seen further across the table. You know, Both, yeah. yeah, have a yeah, exactly. Have a profile, have it, have a, have everything. Uh, but I think it's helpful even without you know just your race or just anything, so that you know we can visually know like, oh yeah, he is Larry the Elf Necromancer, right? Um, and I didn't know that because you don't have pointy ears, and I'm going to interestingly, that. Larry is indeed a traditional elven name. I don't know if most people knew that, <laughs> but uh, it's true. It's true. I know. <laughs> That's why I went with that. But so yeah, I, I I fully if I was the DM, I fully encourage. PC on PC uh, relationships because for me as a DM winning is getting your PCs involved in the game and whether that we're super angry at the bad guys or we're super in love with the setting or we're super in love with each other and how yeah. we interact with the setting that's a win in my book so so I guess there's really two ways you can approach that for PC on PC love is uh, you could do it as part of the background so you start as lovers and uh, or you could do it as, you know, in, in play, it, it develops and it happens and, and you let, you know, love take its course. But I, I think it's actually interesting to look at if you have a guy in your group or girl or whatever, but if there's a person in your group who isn't as tied into you as normal. I mean, you talked about earlier how some people kind of pair off and they're always, you know, those guys are always buddies or whatever. If there's someone in your group who's not actually going to them ahead of time and saying, hey, how would you think about our characters starting off married or in a relationship or whatever? And and it might be one way you could reach out to that player and really incorporate them more into the game if they're an outsider. Trying to get them out of their comfort zone. Yeah. To interact a little bit more with the group. Maybe you're, you know, if they're not comfortable playing the girl, you're willing to play the girl, whatever, you know. Uh, but it also helps shift up those general alliances you can sometimes see in a gaming group. Even mm-hmm. though everyone's friends, everyone's, you know. But sometimes there's still, like, those two, just like you mentioned earlier, those two guys are always buddies or those two guys always hate each other. Mix it up, you know. Uh, talk to those people. Talk about that in your backgrounds. Um, yeah, it's definitely interesting. I would suggest if it, if it's the situation where it's PC on PC and and you think it's developing, talk to them outside a game and say, hey, you know, I, I think our characters might be digging each other. What do you think? Should we should we go with that? Is this something you're interested in exploring? Is that something you think would add to the game? And, and if not. Cool, no problem, and you ignore it, and no big deal. Uh, but if so, awesome. You know that adds a lot to the game. Don't don't pass it up. Keep an eye out for that. All right, so let's go to the PC NPC love then. So uh, for me, this is actually what I've seen more of in game, mm-hmm. and, and it has more to do with I was wanting to introduce romance into my games, that sort of thing. My my players were open to it. They wanted romance in the game. 
But I, I don't know if it would just, you know, people were uncomfortable doing it around the table or that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, there was, for instance, the gal who was of that married couple. She was playing a paladin. And uh, she felt her character would be interested in, in some knightly love with, uh, you know, some very chivalric type love with, with some of the characters that were there. And it certainly wasn't her husband's rogue who who later became a demonic lord. Um <laughs> <laughs> she she was interested in like one of the characters who was her former mentor and a paladin and that sort of thing who played a, a part later in the game and and they had to try and save him. He was supposed to die. My plan was for him to die, but they ended up saving him, which was fantastic. Uh, and she didn't end up marrying him. But interestingly enough, she also was kind of interested in the guy who ended up being one of the main bad guys. <laughs> you know, at the end, and I was just cackling under my, you know, breath that, ha, 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 no matter what happens, I win. Because if she's interested in the guy who I'm going to kill, that's fantastic. If she's interested in the guy who's the bad guy, that's fantastic. Um, and it worked out great. I mean, the NPC on NPC love. And I, I think the trick with it was... Well, the win there is that she was interested in either yes the fact that the player is having the is interested and the character is interested in another npc ties them into the game keeps it meant that i had portrayed the npcs enough that they were involved in the game that the character that the players actually felt the npcs mattered absolutely uh yeah and that has to be one of my greatest successes as a gm is just getting to that point i suppose um it was really good though but I guess where I want to go with it is what I felt made it successful is, is as that romance happened, and it ended up being with the other paladin, the guy who was her trainer, uh, you know, it really was off screen. I didn't have to mention it a whole lot. It didn't have to come up all the time. It was something like all the characters were getting together at the beginning of this new adventure, and, and you know, one of them had found out something, so he called all the others together to tell them, and she came in with this guy because they were just getting off a date. Something like that. You know, I mean, it was something where... He was mentioned a lot of times. He was mentioned with her, but none of the romance happened on screen. You know, I wasn't spouting bad poetry to her as the GM and handing her flowers and stuff. I just kind of let her run it and say, how do you think the relationship's going? She'd tell me, awesome. That's what was happening. But it never happened on screen. Same with them, you know. Uh, you might do the wedding or something on screen itself, but... Uh, you know, the actual romance doesn't have to happen on screen. And certainly you never want to get to the point of he touches your breast and, yeah, you know, well, it breathes heavily. The wedding is a fun <laughs> idea because, I mean, in true uh, comic or, or, or uh, dramatic epic form, dramatic form yeah. I mean, you could have something happen at the wedding, right? Yes. Uh, and so you're going to have a nice swashbuckling wedding. And I with, missed that. I should have I should have gotten that. Ending with him still getting married, but now the church is trashed yeah. and all that stuff. But uh, no, I think that's. I think that's. Uh, I think you handled it well, um, keeping most of it off screen or as much as they want to. I think that's important because unless, unless the DM is, especially if you know you have the same same sex here, you know the DM's male and the players are male, whatnot. Unless you're you're just just a fantastic thespian and you can mold your voice and your pose <laughs> and your posture yeah. and really really become that woman or that other sex that you're not. It's going to be really hard to pull off those, um, you know, those in-character uh, emotional exchanges for more than just a few moments. Yeah. Um, you can do it for a few moments, just like, you, you know, a, a good DM can portray anyone, really, for a few, for a few moments. But, but trying to, to stretch it out is going, to, is going to be taxing. And it's interesting as a GM, because you're actually giving up some of the control of your character to that player. Sure. So then you, you, you 
you're okay with that player determining where that romance is going. So then you talk to the player outside of the game, uh, whether it's right before the game or you take a side break during the game or, you know, whatever. Uh, and you say, how's the, how's the romance going? Where do you want me to go with this? And, and you're really giving them narrative control of what's going on in that situation. And I think that's really the way to go. Really, I mean, you have to be willing to let go of of some sure. of that control. The the nice thing there is is that is that as the pusher, you have an unlimited supply of NPCs. Yeah. So if they're willing to take it, you know they're willing to take that first that first hit, right? And so yeah. now they're addicted. Um, you're getting them invested in your world, and that's really, I mean, the fail is when the players no longer see. The world as an immersive. Why would I date place? an XP bucket? Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, they see it as a collection of numbers and their pieces moving around on the gaming board. Um, the win is when they're fully immersed and they really they can almost taste and see the things that you're describing and they they care about what's happening. They feel they're emotionally connected. And a really good way to do that is to tie them to those NPCs. So sure, yeah, let go of some of that. If they have a child, technically that's an NPC. Yeah. If they want to dictate what their child does. Let them. Yeah, um, yeah. They they are they are ex- they are showing an emotional involvement, um, an intellectual involvement. That and the just more makes... control you give them, the more buy-in you get. Right. You allow that to go in game, and what they're telling you, they want that kid or or significant other or whatever to do. Every bit of that you let them do sucks them further into the rabbit hole of loving your game. Also, I've found that romance in general, and it's funny because it's such a basic thing, and you know, sure, I'm sure there's some players that can resist the urge, but in general, in my experience, I found that it's one of those things that isn't resisted very well. So even when you have your hardcore professional players that are going in there and they, they're going to loot every damn goblin corpse, which let's, sure. that's another topic I that annoys me. I think we already hit, hit that with the A little party bit treasure. on the party treasure, um, yeah. But I mean, just just to the max. But if you start involving relationships and emotion and those sorts of things you can really evoke that response from the player and thus the character that they start to make decisions based on what their character feels. And I think that's really that's really the gap that we need to jump as a or help the players jump as a DM is to get them to fully invest. And and the romances is one of the best ways to do it. Yeah. Um, why just save the princess? Why not have the princess be a hottie? And then maybe a couple of the of the <laughs> sure. characters are like trying to impress her really how much effect does that does that happen i mean are they getting any more xp are they getting any more gold no but the fact that there's they so care, much more involvement if, especially if you can get more than one after the same chick the last pathfinder goal yeah, the last pathfinder game i ran spoiler uh i introduced a girl and uh I played her up real. She was she was kind of like the kind of the schoolgirl from the city in the country where I had set my campaign, and and she was good looking and stuff. And it was it was amazing because she was actually secretly my spy. Um, so she wasn't she wasn't a bad person per se, but per se, but she was actually working for the bad guys. But the players had absolutely no idea, and I know that it was. Partly or mostly because she was a hottie. Yeah. Um, and they were in character kind of vying for her attention. They were trying to flirt with her in character. Um, and some failing miserably, some <laughs> succeeding. But the fact that she was the plant... It shouldn't even was, matter. It was the competition that added to the game. Absolutely. Yeah. And so it added to the game, but it also furthered my 
uh, my agenda yeah. to work again, you know, to, to It's work beautiful because, you know, later there them. can be that betrayal, there can be that redemption, there can be right. that stuff. It's it, One and of the it, other things I'd like to point out that uh, my experience, if you want to get that competition, uh, and this is kind of a Hitchcockian thing where, where he felt horror was best in the mind of, of the viewer, you know, so he didn't show what the horror was. The same thing goes with, with attractiveness. So instead of describing her almost even down to like not even describing her hair color and stuff, just describe her as really attractive. Describe her as not not the specifics. Let that character or that player think of whatever they find attractive in that person and just give vague terms like that so that they can form it in their mind. If you just say this really attractive female comes out to greet you, Right. All of a sudden, in each player's mind, that's now a dwarf. It's an yep. elf. It's a halfling. It's, it's a whatever it's they find attractive. Whatever, right? Right. Okay, so race, maybe you should say. No, no, but no. As I, far I, as... No, I know. But yeah. I get what you're saying, though, right? They're going to fill in the blanks. Maybe... Let them. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Maybe they like glasses or braces or pigtails or whatever. Whatever it takes, right. because yeah. then you're getting that emotional buy-in. You want them, whatever their character finds attractive, that's what she is. And, yeah, okay, maybe if they, if they specifically ask, yes, you have to answer, she really does have one hair color or the other. Uh, but most of the time, it's never going to come up. It's never going to come up. So just let it stay vague. And so if you're looking to promote that, the situation where they find her attractive, just describe her as such. Describe her as attractive. Describe her as hot. Describe her as voluptuous. Describe her as, you know, any sort of vague term that is going to make her sound attractive and positive. And it's same with a guy. You know, it doesn't matter. Whatever you're going for. Uh, but really, so I, I guess the PC to NPC is sort of, in my mind, if you want romance to be in your game, if you have that going on, you're successful. If PC to PC happens, cool, that's awesome, you know, but really by the point you have either PC to PC or PC to NPC, you've been successful at getting romance into your game. Well, the DM is the person who's really in control of herding the cats. Yeah. Right? So, you know, when it's PC on PC, that's the least control yeah. that the DM has, and so even assuming that you have two... Uh, to uh, mature individuals, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, they he really has little control over that. He just has to, you know, basically roll with it, w- roll with it and, yeah. and hope that nothing gets out of line. Um, he has good control when it's NPC to PC. He just has to make sure that there's feedback and that he's not forcing it. And that's the only thing I would say is just make sure that you're not stuffing something down somebody's throat. Oh sure. God, not literally, but I mean like, <laughs> if you just, you know, let them maybe put some hooks out there, but if they don't respond to it, then let it go. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, and then moving into the last one, which would be NPC on NPC. Right, exactly. So if, if you're a GM and you want there to be romance in your game, because it's going to increase verisimilitude, it really happens. It increases the dramatism in, in stories. That's not a real word, but I don't want to hear about it. The way to introduce it, I think, into your game, if you have a bunch of role players who've never really wanted to touch romance because it's just that kind of, ew, icky, Dave loves Sally, or Dave mm-hmm. loves Steve. That's just weird to us because they're just friends in real life. Uh, the way, I think, to introduce it into the game is to start with NPC on NPC romances. Those should matter. And to actually play those up. Not just this guy happens to be married and his wife comes out and he says, Oh, no, she's a witch. And she says, Oh, I'm not a witch. I'm your wife. But, you know, actually having NPC to NPC romances can make a difference in introducing romance into your game. 
So how would you as a GM display successfully NPC to NPC romances? Well, it's situational. Um, I'll preface that first by saying that uh, the the NPC on the NPC, obviously, the DM has the most control out of all the all, out of all the situations. Absolutely, um, you have full yeah. control, um, and, and you have a danger in that in that you could bore the PCs yes, with, with with that detail. Right. That was the next point. You have full control, but the burden is on you to actually involve the players and make them care. So I think it's important that if you have the idea to put this into your game and to write it into the story and to have the uh, the emotion and the relationship matter, I think that especially if you're just introducing it to the players and they're not keen on picking up on those subtleties or really into the uh, the social skills and the social aspect of the game, um, tie it in somehow that it actually affects the rest of the game. Uh, i.e. it's not just these, you know, these two people married or bickering or whatever, but it's, it's actually a plot hook. You know, the, you know, there's romance and, you know, this, you know, he had this thing and then... I really she, love the princess, but right. she would really like this present. Can you go help me get it? Whatever. Right. Or, you know, the this guy is hiring them to go find his wife ran off with a child and he doesn't know why. And then they find out that she's actually a werefox and she was just sleeping with him to get pregnant and whatever. And then when he finds her and then, the, you know, she fights them, but she's not dead. But he doesn't want them to kill her because he still loves her and he loves his child and he wants his child to have a mother. So now you've introduced all these emotional things where normally the pieces are like, what? We're supposed to kill the were-creature yeah, yeah. and just get the XP and the fat loots. Um, but you put this you put this situation here that, that I, I, I dig. and um, It makes it the morally gray. I mean, you don't know what the right answer is. The right answer no isn't clear. just this person's bad guy should kill him. It's, wow, there's really humanity involved here absolutely and is human is humanity just uh, relegated to humans right right so i mean then that can go on to a really broad and deeper topic but it, to keeping it on romance um i think that that's a really good way to introduce players to it or to just keep it uh i guess controlled in the campaign is make sure that it has some effect some something that matters in the campaign at the very least it has to be an interesting side story yeah um like in uh, i had a heroes unlimited game that i had run and it didn't get far enough but uh, one of the things that I had planned was that two of these NPCs, one of them being related to one of the PCs and the other one was just going to be introduced, um, was that they were eventually going to have a romance and they would eventually go off and do kind of a Bonnie and Clyde thing. So that they would be kind of these reoccurring minor villains, not not cackling we're, we want to hurt and kill people, but we just kind of want to do our own thing and take money where we want to. Right. Um, kind of very minor villains. But the idea was that eventually... Um, they would self-destruct uh, in, in in that kind of a relationship, and I was hoping to convey uh, the emotion of that, and that it was very tragic. It's certainly a way to bring humanity to your villains, especially where normally your villains are kind of just ah, I'm a monster, kill me. Uh, you know, making them actually more human because they're doing something out of love, they're doing something to protect their loved one. Uh, I mean, imagine. For those of you who, who do have spouses or long-term relationships, imagine if something horrific happened to your significant other because of someone else's actions, you might do some bad things as a response. And maybe that's what's driving this person. And that doesn't mean your characters aren't going to stop this bad guy because he has human motivations and human you know realism about him. But it makes him more of an understandable character. It makes him more human. And it makes him a real character. 
And so you can't ignore the romantic aspects of a character's, you know, personality. Right. So I think that I think that the NPC on NPC can be a really, really useful tool. And the nice thing is, is it really is it really is just a tool that the, the DM can bust out if he needs it. I mean, it's great if he can plan it into the story and, and have kind of an semblance of an idea of when these these different plot points are going to come to bear. But it's something that if it's just NPC on NPC, it can be whipped out at a moment's notice. Oh man, there it is. <laughs> um, you know that yeah. the you know they go into the blacksmith shop to sell some crap and maybe buy a sword, and they stumble on the blacksmith's son, you know, rolling in the hay or making out with the baker's daughter. Sure. And that oh my god, guys, uh, please don't tell anybody, and they end up getting like a discount on their gear if they promise not to say anything because the blacksmith is gone, and the son agrees to sell some stuff on the cheap just to keep the secret. But then you you necessary? put in some encounters later where. But even if it never yeah. comes up, even if it never comes. Oh, up again. totally should bring that up. It'd be fun to put them in situations where they actually have to do I protect these guys? Because his dad's coming down on him right now yeah. and then, oh crap, they're downstairs right now I'm getting a discount if I protect these guys do I do I keep the dad from going downstairs where they're making hot, passionate love or do I, you know that would, be, do that would be very It really fun. gives you some hook. Sure, absolutely. You can totally they can get as, as involved as they want to but even if it doesn't go beyond that. Sure. How much did you add to that blacksmith shop? A lot. Right? Yeah. And the funny thing about human emotion, especially love or sex or whatever, is that once you introduce it, more so than the other emotions like greed or envy or hate, um, it just adds so much character. Yeah. You know, rather than like, oh, this isn't just a blah merchant. This is the greedy merchant. Whereas like, oh, this is the lascivious merchant. Yeah. You know, it just yeah. adds so much more um, if he's hitting on the female uh, PC in the party and, you know... He drops hints that she could get some serious discounts if he checked out some of his merchandise in the back room. Oh, even if he didn't. So imagine just you you have a group who never has really involved themselves in role-playing to date. And you want to start getting that more in there. One of the ways you can make those NPCs more active is... is By the way, if you're a DM who is who is an avid and, and, and a well-rounded role-player and you're constantly playing with these groups that are just haven't really role-played and don't really know how to get involved, that qualifies at pub- as public service. Make sure to report that to the judge. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You, you can get time off on your sentence. It, uh, is, a, it, is, a, it is like pulling teeth. I mean, it, it, yeah. it sucks if, if that's what you're doing constantly. Hopefully you can bring them up and teach them a few things. But Sorry, I had a tangent. Well, no, you, you're bringing it in. But I guess my, my point is you could one of the ways you could you could try to introduce this more is actually... Without any promises from the players, if one's playing a female, 10% dif- discount. One's playing a male, 10% increase in costs. You just go up to ring it up. Yep, that's that's 80 gold. Really? Because you just offered her 60. Eh. <laughs> discount for her. It's not my business why that's different, right? I mean, yeah, suddenly he's a very different character who stands out to that character. He's like, why are you trying to screw me? Where she's like, eh. Awesome, he's trying to screw me. You know? <laughs> you know, but suddenly he's not just random cardboard cutout right. guy. There's something about him that matters. And this uh, is a broader topic, right? I mean, I guess the moral of the story is try to think of your NBCs as living, breathing humans, people yeah. and introduce emotions. And but you can't ignore romance when you do that. Romance is a fantastic one. Romance, sex, that drive... Uh, it it really col- colors more of what we do on a daily basis than a lot of people want to admit. Absolutely. Um, 
Absolutely. So, I mean, why shouldn't it color this, those same daily things for the NPCs? And look at stories. I mean, if you look at great literature, if you look at plays, if you look at whatever, uh, so many of them involve romance or even center around romance. Right. Story of Oedipus. I mean, come on. Yeah. Well, you know, family <laughs> love it. It's, it's, but yeah, seriously, it does make a big difference. Well, and, even in modules, right? What well, was the one with the, uh, the genies, right? It was this big epic thing. Oh, you're going to spoil it. You're going to spoil it. No. But it just, it, it boiled <laughs> down to the guy wanted to impress a chick. Yeah. I mean, how awesome is that? If yeah. you can distill the, the essence of the, the motivating factor there. The down entire to... thing was about a guy trying to get a girl. Right. Yeah, that is just fantastic. It is fantastic, and it's it's realistic. Uh, it matters that romance is there. Is it the only emotion that should come into play? Of course not. That'd be ridiculous. But you can't ignore it. You gotta involve it. Think about your NPCs. Does your your big bad guy not love anyone ever? Why? What happened to him that scarred him in such a way to make that happen? Did he lose his long lost love? I mean, write that into his background. Have that factor in some way. Look at that. Uh, if you're a PC, or if you're a player, I should say, and, and you're looking to make your character, instead of just random asexual character B, why is your character not interested in hooking up with every character that goes by? Does he have a love back home? Is he married? How many of us play married characters who are out there looking for a way to make money for the family because they weren't cutting it as the blacksmith's assistant and, and his wife just really wants more stuff. And so he was <laughs> trying to figure out a way to make more money for him. And that's why he's out here risking his, his ass on, on making money. I mean, Sean is not sourcing from anything. For no, him. no, no, <laughs> not at all. Uh, anyway, I'm going to be gone next week, though, because I'm, I'm going to be deep sea diving without a SCBA to... Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, think about your character. Think how, how their emotional and romantic life factored in. Even if it doesn't come into play, take that into account. What is your character's romantic status and why? If it is that they're just not interested, why? What makes that happen? If they're really interested and they're hitting on every freaking girl they see, why? Why, you know, are, are they so desperate? Why aren't they ever making it successful? Uh, if he's he's married and he's still hitting on everything that, with two legs, why is he doing that? What kind yeah. of a person does that make him? There's no right or wrong answer here. It just makes for an interesting character. I Say you just want to play a fairly normal guy. Every adventure, have him have a different girl he's been dating for a couple months. Just, you know. She's Add not, some flavor to it. Yeah. And she has no important part of the story. She has no important, you know. She's just there. He's dating a different girl this week. And uh, that's fine, too. That's fine, too. So on a related but different note, uh, you know, love is, as a broad topic, it doesn't necessarily have to be just uh, romantic love, right? Sure. Love between, say, a parent and a child. Absolutely. Um, you talk about the guy who's adventuring to feed his family. How cool would it be if your fighter, this really inspires me, actually, like how cool would it be if your fighter you know, in the midst of whatever, and then he makes this choice, say he's lawful good. But why? What's the core of that, right? Um, that's one of the things, I mean, paladins are cool and they can be done really well, but personally... <laughs> Imagine one having to make a choice between the good of the many or his family. 
Oh, man. How hard would that be? That would be I hard. I can't even imagine. I mean, for me, it wouldn't be as hard. Bam, family. Sorry, a thousand other people. <laughs> gone. Right, right. But uh, for a paladin, that should be a tough decision, right? Right. Uh, well, what I was saying, what I was leading to, though, is, as you know, lately I've been jonesing on the idea of just a lawful good fighter. Sure. Um, but it, that just it just hit me, you know, how cool would that be if he had a family back home? And when he makes those decisions, he's saying, and hopefully he's sharing, because the other players don't have privy to what's in your head, um, you know, the reason why he's making this choice is because hopefully I live through this adventure and when I go home, what story can I tell my sons? What story can I tell my children? Will they be their, proud of me because I right, took this action? What did, what would, did their father do? Yeah. Um, or if, you know, if he doesn't survive, what does he have to pass on? What kind of a legacy? If I survive um, and they hear what I did here in order to survive, is it worth even living afterward? Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. and uh, the, the love of the children, maybe he's going after something that doesn't necessarily benefit him. But or, you know, he's he's thinking about the, you know, what how his children are going to benefit in the future. So uh, maybe, you know, the big dumb fighter ends up questing after books. Right, because he wants his his children to be educated, um, and they can't normally afford that kind of stuff. Interesting. I mean, how yeah. cool that be? Yeah, that's all. <laughs> I like it. No, that's great. Uh, and it kind of inspires some different stuff in there too. So we talked about uh, on screen and off screen love. Uh, you know, how on screen can you get in a game without making your players uncomfortable? And obviously, it's different with every group. But what is the most on screen you think is ever going to be appropriate? I think that depends on how far away the median of the players are from puberty. <laughs> so looking back to raging 16-year-olds and playing a swashbuckler, uh, you know, there's a lot of sex in that game, right? I mean, I, I, there wasn't like descriptions of the actual physical act, but sure. there was a lot more of the role-playing was trying to trying to get some booty and... Uh, trying to look cool. Uh, looking back on that character, still a great character in other ways. There could be a lot of fun things and flourishes and still trying to look cool with maybe a side thought thrown to getting some booty when everyone else is just getting their ale in the tavern. Right. But it doesn't have to become the, the focus of the, of the game. Can you think of a situation where on-screen loving, explicit X-rated loving, is appropriate? Absolutely. The PCs walk into the chamber, in this case perhaps a, a bed chamber, and it is now an encounter. So in the midst of this on-screen, hardcore, full, triple X-rated lovin', yeah. there is other things going on. Maybe the two that are in the act have no idea that the PCs are there. Uh, maybe they are bound into a guise to do it. Like they actually don't like each other. And this is the, maybe they're brother and sister. And this is the devil's, you know, this is Asmodeus's thing to breed the next yeah. great whatever. And they're both in a guise to do this. And they're surrounded by a bubble of force. And then there's other things in the room. Um, so that would be, in my mind, the the first and really the only thing that I could think of that would make me validate. And even then, I really don't need to it, to hear every nipple squeeze and ear lick. Right. Um, well, I think the point is it makes people uncomfortable. Sure. And so if you have a situation where you want them to be uncomfortable... I see what you're saying. It could be very interesting, right? So, so say you have a situation where they have to make a deal with the devil, mm -hmm. so to speak. And the devil, in this case, is a succubus. Uh, 
make them uncomfortable. And some of that, I mean, you need to know just how far you can push your players to make them uncomfortable without going too far. Mm -hmm. But that is certainly a way you can make players uncomfortable. And and that could actually be a useful tool for a GM. You got kids in your game, probably shouldn't go there. But you got a, a, you know, a bunch of mature players who are uncomfortable with the romance being, you know, out there and who's not really uncomfortable about, you know, the, the explicit sex details you could make a very, you know, uncomfortable situation for them dealing with that succubus. I think that you're taking a calculated risk. Sure. And if you're willing to take that risk, then let me know how it goes. Um, <laughs> but you are definitely I writing... will, because it will be your character. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, because you are definitely writing the line of, of losing those players, of crossing sure. the line. Um, it'd be similar, just popped in my head, you know, if you're, you know, you're describing the you know they walk into town and all these people have been slaughtered and whatever and it's okay for you to describe that but no you bust out full color high res pictures of real baby right real humans that have been killed and you get them off of nasty.com yeah or whatever and like you're showing them real full on explicit pictures um you know that that might be crossing the line for oh i don't know like a whole bunch of people yeah Uh, they don't need to be that visceral Right. So anyways, I, I think that you're crossing. I think yeah. you're, you're, you're surfing the edge of crossing. The yeah. Line. Well, and I guess that's the point is, is where do you push the line? I, I think romance as a whole and the topic as a whole is actually pushing lines. People tend to not involve it in their games at all. You have asexual PCs who, who go out and do stuff and you have no idea what their sexual life is like. Uh, and not that I want to know what their sexual life is like, but their romantic life. Right. I mean, they, you never, ever ever see married characters in a game unless it's a couple in game who are married but you never have a guy who's just out yeah i gotta get home to my wife guys sorry i can't stay at the bar this late uh i'll tell her i'm gone for the next couple weeks while we go out to this cairn and and explore it and go through the dungeon but then i gotta get back to my family uh oh man did i tell you little sally got potty trained it's awesome i mean you never hear that stuff right people don't have a real family life a real love life a real you know the stuff that makes them real so really any exploration of whether it be sex or romance or anything else on good or bad side is pushing the boundaries and i'm not suggesting you should take it to the extreme just because you feel like taking it to the extreme but pushing boundaries, I don't think, is necessarily a bad thing for increasing the role-playing in your game. I agree. Uh, pushing the boundaries in, in many ways, shapes, and forms is good, uh, especially to expand your... And certainly read your characters, and if you're pushing yes. them too far, back it on up. And don't just go way beyond that line. Right. Expand your, your pushing players... Pushing it means you're going just a little beyond the line, sure, and sure. then backing it off if you need to. Yes. But, you know, don't just go whole hog, hey, i got to show you guys this video, and that's what's <laughs> going on in the scene. Uh, you know, but uh, just, just push it a little bit, and, and I think it could be an interesting encounter with succubus that they got to make a deal with who is doing these, you know, and how you describe it depends on your group and what's been involved and what you think they can take. And that's you know what I just learned from this podcast. Huh? Okay, so my ranger favorite enemy, Succubus. Succubus. <laughs> Sean is coming for me with his Succubus. But I will say, though, I mean, it is good to, pu- to push those boundaries in to encourage the, the growth of role-playing in the players. Yeah. Uh, one thing I will say, though, is that let's not rule out asexual characters. I mean, someone can play a bug thrycreen from Dark Sun. You may want to sure. portray 
you know, Louis Gossett Jr. is an alien. And it's it's fair to say this car- this player is just never going to be comfortable with sex or romance in the game and leave that guy out of it. So in, in my case of my previous campaign I was talking about, I had those the, both people who were that, in that married couple ended up being in relationships in that game. They were interested in it. Their 16-year-old daughter who played, not really interested in it. And I was less comfortable as a GM talking about romance with the 16-year-old girl who was in the game. Uh, she, was, she did fine as a role player. She played through the whole campaign. She made it, you know, to the high levels. She did great. Uh, it just didn't involve her as much. She never really threw me out any sort of, in, you know, showed me that she was interested in it. I didn't want to push her. That wasn't somewhere I wanted to go. I think that was a good call in that case. I'm not sorry about that. I don't think it would have been better. You know, that said, now she's a bit older. She's super into, you know, Mass Effect and other games where she gets romances with the other characters. It probably totally would work to have her in an NPC romantic relationship. It wouldn't have at the time. So what you're saying is now she's 18. (laughs) I I think it's good that you avoided that. Otherwise, you might have ended up in a different kind of role play. Exactly. And and likewise, I had another 40-year-old guy who was at the table, and, and he... His big thing was he, you know, he was fine with people role-playing, but he was waiting to roll some dice. Uh, he'd let people have their fun. He wasn't going to interrupt them. He knew the combat was coming. He was great about it. It's fantastic. Uh, but he was he was waiting for the mechanical side of things. Building dice gonna... towers, huh? Well, and he wasn't bored. He was fine. But he also wasn't really participating in the RP side of things. And... Uh, I rewarded him with lots of combat, but I wasn't going to try and engage him in the RP as much because that's not what he was there for. You know, the people who are interested, absolutely. And and if you throw it out there and they bite, you know, you, an attractive woman approaches you guys and two guys start jumping in on that, those are the guys to focus on. The guy who's just like, eh, does she offer me money? Probably not the guy you want to go after for it, unless you maybe later want to try an attractive male approaches and see what he says. If he bites on that, go for it. Well, that. in all fairness, from the, from the <laughs> point of view of the NPC who's approaching them, yeah. that person is going to be making those exact same value judgments. Sure. Whether it's innocuous, whether it's it's totally innocent, or whether she's a professional and she's trying to actually fleece them for something. Sure. Um, she's making those value judgments too. So out of this group of males, who were the two that have responded to me the best? Yeah. Um, and, okay, it looks like I'm having the best rapport and the best uh, the best communications with them, and she's going to focus yep. on them. So it's consistent there as well. In character, sure. uh, I think it's totally valid. So I, I touched there on a little bit. How do you think most groups uh, would feel about the whole straight versus gay stuff being introduced? Uh, you know, that's really going to depend on your demographic. It it's very much comes your, into a know your game, know your players. Absolutely. Yeah. I personally don't have any problem with it. It doesn't. Those... That's one of those benefits of being thick-skinned is those things don't... Actually, let me take that back. Let me take that back. Just cut out the thick skin because that infers that it bothers me, but I don't let it bother me. Okay. For me personally, it doesn't It doesn't matter at all. I don't care who people sleep with. It. I don't care who people want to sleep with. Sure. It doesn't... Uh, I think, if anything, more, uh, more varied ideas and themes in a game is promotes a verisimilitude yeah um there are gay and bisexual people in the real world why shouldn't they be in the imaginary world as well sure um if your if your gaming group doesn't want to have that in there that's fine it's the fun for whatever is fun for you guys but yeah. um i think it'd be i think it'd be totally fine to write in something that there's 
uh, you know, that kind of a relationship between some NPCs. I wouldn't necessarily push it if you're going to. It's certainly never, never push any of these things, right? I mean, don't well, no, push I mean, like, romance. Don't like push with the, your succubus yeah. idea, um, pushing people's boundaries. I mean, you wouldn't want to make people totally uncomfortable, but right. I personally don't have a problem with it. It, but it really just going to depend on the group. Absolutely. Um, you know, when we do our podcast out of San Francisco, we might have a different reaction. Yeah. So yeah, good point. Um, especially if we do like a live game there or something, you know, it's it and e- either way is totally cool, right? Yeah. So um, I think it's one of those things where romance is separate from sexuality. I think sure. that people, regardless of their sexuality, they they have those same deep emotions and romances. Um, and, and yeah, they're going to be slightly different, right? Because they have different parts to deal with and different sure. pieces to wiggle in front of each other. But um, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, even more than just the, the physiology. But yeah, uh, and I guess we touched on if you're wanting to introduce r- romance into your game, NPC on NPC is a great way to go. It'd be the same thing here. If you feel that it adds verisimilitude in your game to add uh, gay romance, whether it's male on male or female on female into your game, start with NPCs. Uh, if you have some NPC that they deal with and you don't put it in their face, you don't have crazy flamboyant guy, he's just, you know, he comes in and, and while they're talking to him, this guy walks in and he's like, oh, sure, lover, yeah, here you go, and he hands him a package or something and that guy walks out. You've just inferred that they're gay. You've just, you know, pretty much said it. But it wasn't a focus on the game, right? If, if you know, and then gauge reactions. Well, on the flip side, if you have if you have uh, you know openly gay girl who is part of your gaming group, yeah, and she is totally down with the amount of role playing you guys are doing, and she's just an awesome role player, and you're an awesome DM, and everything's great, and she is she thinks it'd be fun to have her female character look for some also female lesbian love, yeah. love in the game. Uh, if you cut that off and you say, no, I'm sorry, everyone in the gaming world is just heterosexual, you really just just punched her in the face. I mean, you did, yeah. And you cut her off from wanting to connect to your gaming world some more. And so, absolutely, I mean, you have the ability as a DM to create an endless stream of NPCs, and you have the ability to change and modify whatever. So, if it's something you'd already set and you want to keep to your fairness, no, this person's already married, whatever, fine. And interestingly, but, uh, I mean, none of it has to be on screen. Again, it's right. just like the other relationship. It's, it, it does, since it's not on screen, it shouldn't be super uncomfortable. But it should still be available, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it reasonable. To, to assume that, that they could find someone. At the same time, you as the GM have to be comfortable with it, too. If somehow that makes you uncomfortable, and I have a harder time, I mean, I don't know. Part of me wants to say get over it, it's, it's reality. But if you're super uncomfortable with the existence of that, make sure you talk to that car- that player about that, I guess. You know, know, and say, hey, GM, if I had a hot lesbian at my gaming table, I don't think it has too it's much a problem. Um, so I've, yeah. I've had groups where I had gay guys in my groups. Um it never came up. They never sure. got, you know, it never, it never affected the game. Uh, and romances in that campaign didn't happen till later, till after the guys who were gay had left the game. One of, one of whom we had to kick out. The other was fantastic, wonderful role player. Love him. I play with him to this day. Great guy. Uh, but, you know, it never came up in game. And, and I would hope that's not the reason why. I'm, Okay, so so let's talk about I, I guess just and this is just my random throwing shit out there. Uh, let's we, we've talked about how sex plays in, but certainly sex is not romance. But let's let's talk about it a little more. So let's talk about sex without romance. How many times have we seen in games a guy's like, yeah, I'm gonna hit on that that 
Burmese chick, you know, uh, that comes by, and I'm going to see if I can bet her tonight and move on. Not interested in romance, not interested in, in those pieces of it, but how should that play into a game? How can you as a GM, if your player is hitting on the barmaid, do you always just blow them off? Can you let them be successful? Can you... Well, you can, I think you can do both at the same time. I think you can let him be successful in-game yeah. and blow him off DM to player. Right? You so you can just be like, oh yeah, you're totally successful, you get her. And then it's done. Okay. So so he was technically successful, but you ate you're up zero... keeping it off screen, you're not you, making And you deal. ate up zero game time. But uh, that's a great thing, because he's wanting his player, or I'm sorry, his character, to be a player. Uh, a player, maybe is a better way to put it. Uh, and by saying yes to him when he tries that, you're letting him create the character he wants to play. Whereas if you're always the guy who, who proverbially cock blocks him, then... You know, you're not letting him play the guy he wants to play. Well, no, what I'm saying is I think that it it just it boils down to there's only so much time in the day. There's only so much time in the gaming day. Yes. There's only so much, I guess, what we commonly refer to as stage time. So if it pertains to things with the game at large, if he's involving himself with an NPC that's a scripted NPC and he's going to... It's the same. I mean... I I would love to play, say, for instance, uh, if I made a Diplomancer in any of the flavors that you can sure. do that. Um, why can't he be a Diplomancer and a ladies' man? Yeah. So that you're not just using all of these social skills mechanically, but you're also role-playing and trying to manipulate the social aspect of it and actually further a relationship that will, you know, benefit you in other ways, too. So... Uh, you know, if it if it has that kind of effect, yeah, absolutely. If the players are all at the gala and even the fighter and the and the out of place wizard, they're all dressed up and they're trying to dance because there really is a group trying to infiltrate and get some information. And then the bard's really at home, or if you're still in three point five, the beguiler's really at home, and you know they're just doing all this. I fantastic love play. the beguiler. Oh, I know that's a side. Let's not tangent, go there. But yeah, so beguiler was awesome. Um, anyways, so. More of the the romance um, can I think can take a center stage, or the guy trying to nail that girl, or whatnot. Yeah. If she's actually an NPC, but if it's just everyone else is at the at the inn, and you know they're talking up their about their plans to how are they going to stage this whatever, um, and this guy's always wanting to go off on these side tangents of nail every barmaid that walks by. I don't want to. I don't want to make you it don't want to focus on it, right? Yeah. And that's why I was saying you can do both. Yeah, you can not. You're not. You're not cockatrice blocking them. You're not saying no. You're just. You're saying absolutely do. You're totally successful. You ended up spending about five silver buying her. You know, some drinks and some food or whatever. Or yeah, after you guys are done planning, you take her out to a show. You spend a gold piece. You wake up the next morning. You slip out of the room before she wakes up. Right. Whatever. You let just him be successful, but you're not going to eat up game time. I'm not yeah. going to stop and role play the barmaid. You know, maybe the first time he does that. Maybe if it's a small town and there's only one barmaid. Because now we've slipped back to what I was talking about where she's an NPC, even if she's not... She's a significant NPC. Even if yeah. she's not super important, she has a name, right? Yeah. And so if if that if she's the barmaid and they're going to be dealing with her for the next few whatever as they're investigating the mystery of this town, if he starts making her a real ally or making her an enemy by what he's doing, it could be important. If Certainly it's not in, important, in the same way. I mean, think about it. How can this matter in the game? If if it's just he's wanting to develop his character as a ladies' man and, and you don't want her back in the game at all, 
just let him be successful and breeze by it, just right. like you talked about. And, and it's absolutely fine. Also consider the possibility that this could come up later. We had a character in, in our Carrion Crown game who hit on and I let be successful with the bearded lady. Um, you know, he was just anything that moves. He was going for that's just yeah. Huge. When he walked into the room, the fish stopped swimming. Yeah, uh, he was he was just if it moves, he was going after it. And uh, so I let him I let him hit the the bearded lady. Uh, but then I let that be actually a way that I talked about his drunken night that he barely remembered, and he ended up at this table with his weird tattoo guide. It's how I introduced another character into the game was his drunken night with the bearded lady. I uh, think about how it could matter. What happens to this barmaid later? Do you have a way that you can introduce this into the game? It's okay to just let it go and just let it be a one night thing and let it be just a way for him to develop his character as a ladies' man. It's also okay for you to say, "Hey, how can I use this to my advantage and make the story more interesting?" Uh, don't just out of hand say no. If you say no, have it be for a reason. Why is this girl saying no? Is she married? You know, the barmaid can be married. Why not? Sure. Uh, and then maybe the husband comes back later and he's all pissy. Uh, Depending on the scope of your campaign and how much you want to focus at it, I, I absolutely love yeah. getting those those real down and dirty details. I like to zoom in and get under the microscope. At the same um, time, it might never come back up. And that's okay, too. There's nothing wrong with that. No, it'd be fun. Yeah, absolutely. To have that inner interpersonal relationship and then maybe they leave on an adventure and they come back and hopefully, and this is... Tying into another subject for another podcast, but time moving or not moving in a game. Yeah. Um, it comes back maybe years later and that barmaid has a child and it's his. And How um, crazy would that be? Dealing awesome, with pregnancy, right? dealing with so, a kid, dealing with that stuff. But at the same time, if your yeah. group doesn't want to deal with that and they just want to go to their meat and potatoes, where's the next dungeon? Don't force You it can off. just say, hey, Mr. Bard, you know, let's just say that every week you're in town, you blow 10 gold. And every time you're in a bar, I'll describe you as surrounded by barmaids. Awesome. And okay. Done. done. Yeah. yeah. Right. And a lot of players aren't going to be happy if you say you show back up in town and have a kid. Don't surprise them on them. There's some people who would, would thrive on that and deal with that and could really develop their character. And if you feel that that's this guy, go ahead and go that way. But if you're not sure, don't force that on a character. Uh, but if you have if you have a player who's really into that, who really could grow that way... They may really enjoy it. And, I think it's self-correcting, though. I think yeah. that if your player is uh, engaging and actually wanting to engage in the whole role play of the romance with an NPC, so what you're saying is start with a pregnancy scare. <laughs> <laughs> if, if they're cool with role playing that out, no, I'm then, saying if, if you then go with it and give them a kid. If the or player is if they're your, not cool with it, then you just stop. <laughs> no, I'm saying if the player is like your fighter guy that you described in your last group where he yeah. was very much waiting for the combats, that same player is probably not trying to bang every barmaid. Correct, yeah. Um, and so that's a really it's key. He's not getting himself into that trouble because, you know, that's not in his interest. He's just waiting Although, for the next encounter. Although, when you encounter. say that, have you seen the, uh, there's the, the, what is it, Dead Alewives mm-hmm. Club? thing where they have the audio thing where it's all here's a real session of D and he's all mm-hmm. where's the mountain dew where are the cheetos right, right, right. is there a barmaid there because if there is i'm trying to do her yeah. what do i need to roll yeah uh, i mean you could have that guy and that guy doesn't want to get someone pregnant he just wants to roll to see if he successfully vetted some chick and sure just, just give him a 50 50 shot let him roll and move on Right, uh, but that's a subject for the Gamer's Guide to Adolescent Pathfinding. <laughs> yes, yes it is. So, 
But or drunken Pathfinder. I mean, there's there's all of us in our thirties could get drunk and and still do that stupid crap, and and you know it's there. And I guess the point would be just if if that's what you feel your players are going for, just move on. You let them be successful. Sometimes that's okay. It's also okay to shoot them down sometimes. But if you shoot them down all the time or let them be successful all the time, none of it matters. And you don't need to focus on any of it. It doesn't necessarily need screen time, except for just the success or failure piece of it you know skip right on to that next morning and in fact it's a fantastic way if you got people being just adolescent for lack of a better term let one be successful and skip to the next morning it's awesome because you know what the rest of them who are trying to be little jackasses can't keep going on about it you've already skipped to the next morning and now you can move on And right. That's okay. But I think, and I think that's 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 a, that's really good advice. And it just goes back to that: know your group. Yeah. If that's what they want to focus on, fantastic. I like to focus on a lot of detail, but at the same time, it's good to tie it into the story. Yeah. And so I think that the romance, the the sex, the emotions, all of those things, if if you can tie them into the story, if you can make that mayor's daughter the attractive girl that now they have another reason for helping, not just because they think this is a trail of bread come crumbs to XP and magical items. Right. Um, then you've won as a DM. I agree. Regardless of what happens. Uh, and I'm already, my mind's already starting to go into some things that are probably another whole podcast, uh, <laughs> but they deal with success yeah. and failure. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think that it's important. And if anything from this topic of romance and love is to keep in mind that it's there's a larger world about and so yeah. it's, it's all to... a set of tools it's a set right. of tools as you as the gm you can use npc on npc love to expand and, and get really a lot more depth into your world the motivation you can you can bring more of it into your game with the npc on pc love you can allow more of it with the pc to pc love it's all tools in your toolbox for how you increase the levels of your game and, and the verisimilitude of your game. And it's just as long as you know your players, you expand on that. It really is good stuff. So I guess the one thing we haven't touched on before we close. You're a PC. You're a player. And uh, your GM doesn't really have much in the way of romance in his game. And you're kind of interested in having that in the game because you think it adds to the game. How do you help him... Or convince him to bring love into the game? I think you try a couple of times, and if it doesn't, if you try once or twice to further that type of role play and it just doesn't, you're hitting a brick wall, or he's actively kind of nixing that in character or out of character. Um, I think that's when you just approach the, the DM and say, hey, is this something that you're not comfortable with? Or you just, just, I'm can- interested in this. Do you want to go with it? Because that's what I'm saying is if if you're not seeing a a positive response from your DM, um, talk to the DM after the game, outside of the game, and find out. And if that's not the DM's bag, if he's not comfortable with that, I mean, because all these talks we've been saying, we've been taking from the point of view that the DM is just this uber thespian, totally (laughs) sexually, you know, enlightened person. Um, But maybe, yeah, maybe they're not, right? see enlightened because there's nothing wrong with someone not wanting to play that no what what i'm saying is is like totally right so um but what if they're not right so what if what if they don't want that well you have to respect that right he's the guy running the game at the same Uh, time i would also say don't then go looking for a pcpc romance to force it into his game if he doesn't want it respect that 
you know, don't be a douche. <laughs> sure. No, absolutely. I mean, yeah. if, if if that's not the, the scope and tone of the game, it's the same thing. Like uh, if, if I ran a game, I could tell my players starting off, this is going to be more of a grim, dark game, or this is going to be more of a light humorous or swashbuckling sword and sorcery, high fantasy, uh, whatever, right? This is going to be, you know, dark wing duck. I mean, whatever you want. I mean, you're you're gonna let the players know, and I think that that's fair and that's valid. And yeah. so, if we start the campaign that way, or we have that inclination, um, you know, it's valid to stick with that. So, I think it's just one of those things. Goes back like we always rant. You know, know your player, know your game. Talk to your DM. Talk to your players. What do they want to see? I mean, yeah. what are they? What are they comfortable with? I mean, you don't want to. Pushing a little bit of the boundaries is okay if you know they're open to it, but you don't want to force something down their throats that they're not. They're not comfortable. With. So let's let's close this out then with an example. What is the most successful romance you've ever seen in your personal experience in a role playing game? Well, I guess I have two actually. Um, I'll start with a player. Uh, I had a character. It was uh, way back in second edition. I was playing a human fighter. I know second edition, um, but what was one of the, it was fun because we had ended up liberating this uh, elven nation, and. Through just kind of, I don't know, it was just a, a hand wave, I suppose, from the DM. He didn't really care too much. But I was able to marry this elven princess with my human fighter. And I loved it because I really latched on to the chance to role play the in a different culture thing. And it was interesting because um, I, as much as I could push it, uh, when he wasn't adventuring at large, he was living in their culture. He was living in the elven nation with the elven wife, dealing with the elves, having half-elven babies. And I don't know. I just I really liked that interplay. Yeah. Um, and I had a really good time. It was a character I enjoyed. I played a lot. Um, and it was fun to really get invested in that and to care about them as not just, oh, this is a successful quest, but this is actually my family. Uh so that would be from from a player's perspective. From a DM's perspective, uh, probably the best one was from a campaign that I ran <clears throat> where the main villain, and, and this isn't so much different than anyone else's main villain in that, you know, it was kind of a revenge idea. Right. But underneath just the, ooh, I'm mad at them revenge, why is he mad at them? It boiled down to he had lost his love. And so all of these machinations he had put into play, he was a, a double, triple agent. You know, he was involved in, in these different uh, sides to the conflicts. Um, and, you know, ultimately he was playing both sides because he wanted the destruction of all of the basically organized society uh, because he had just felt so robbed that he had lost his true love. And I, I really liked that as the main motivation uh, because when the players get to that... It definitely humanizes the enemy. And absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you still have to stop this bad guy, but can you, like you mentioned earlier in the, earlier in, in the podcast, can you really hate a guy for wanting to avenge the, the loss of the love of his life? Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, if you lost that special person to you, would you not want justice to be done? And if that twists you to the end, then that may happen. But um, I so, so I was I really felt good about that. Uh, nice, so, yeah, nice. 
So I guess I've already talked about what I felt were my most successful times where I got some of the PCs involved. So what I'm really interested to hear then is is what do our listeners think have been some of the most successful romances they've had in their games? And so if you guys come on over to www.35privatesanctuary.com, let us know what you think, and uh, we'd be very interested to hear uh, how can you incorporate love into your games? How have you seen it done successfully? What are you interested in doing more in the future? So let us know. Absolutely. This is a broad topic, and, and more than some of some topics, I think this is one of those that can really benefit from uh, a lot of specific examples. So bring your stories. We'd love to hear it. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you next time. The Gamer's Guide to Pathfinder. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs>